God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today and uh, batting down the hatches because they are coming to get us. They are coming to get us. That's how I'm going to start the show off uh, today with um, a lot of uh, you could start to see the Democrats. One thing that you have to notice when when Democrats are I think any political agenda starts to roll out. You start to see these talking points. And if you just pay attention, you'll see all the different people from the same side of the aisle pretty much mimicking and saying the same thing. We've all seen those uh, Mockingbird Media talking points where they'll put a medley out and uh, the newsrooms across the country are basically reading from a script that was sent down from uh, up high, right? Uh, in the top floor of the New York, uh, the NBC building or what have you. And they come out with the same talking point narrative. And somebody in Washington was dictating that narrative. And it's, it's what concerns me about politics in general. Because a lot of the politicians... They'll do a, they'll do the t- circuit here in D.C. They'll do the circuit. And they'll rub elbows and shoulders. Um, they'll have drinks and smoke cigars. And they'll get pretty tight with the journalists and get this respect and build this fr- friendship and cultivate these relationships. But the problem is that they're supposed to be serving the people. So like J.D. Vance, for example, is supposed to be out there in um, Ohio as a senator serving the state of Ohio. But he has spent very little time in Ohio. He was a never-Trumper. He supported McMullen. He was on the same train as Mitt Romney in 2016. 
And all of a sudden, he's trying to sell, you know, this concept that he's the candidate for the best should best represent Ohio. And I see all these reports from um, from from actually from writers that I like and and I know in D.C. or magazines, you know, or, or article uh, publishing companies like the Federalist or what have you. And you know, I I like Molly Hemingway, and I like the the people over there at the Federalist. I think uh, Megan McCain's Megan McCain's. Uh, husband writes uh for the federalist but the issue is is that uh, they're writing very positive stories uh with respect to they're writing very positive stories about um about about jd vance and i i know jd vance and i know what circles he hangs in and i know how that's happening and i see it firsthand it's my first hand, you know, bird's eye look, fly on the wall look. That's one example where I I am like a fly on the wall there. And I can see how it works and it ha- and it's not he's not alone. That's not unique. It's just unique for me that I actually have an inside track on that one. But we talk about these things all the time. But over the weekend, of course, Donald Trump gave this really great speech in Arizona. It was an hour and seven minutes or 107, 107 minutes. It was almost two hours. It was almost two hours speech. 13 minutes shy of a two-hour speech. And man, he gave like such great talking points and just hit hard on the subjects. And we're going to hopefully get a chance to play a few of those clips uh, today from that speech. But it was very interesting when Charlie Kirk came out and he said that I got an email by mistake. So it says, yesterday, TP Attorney uh, Point Action, Charlie Kirk, said he received an email from CNN by mistake. And the C- and the email said it said R the R E was the reference code was V Vax VX the carrot is not working it's time for the stick get ready so that's CNN sending an email out CNN is sending an email out and they're basically saying the carrot's not working trying to be nice it's not working. We got to pull out all the stops. We got to, we got to take, put on the brass knuckles and start fighting. And so I'm going to say to you, do not cower. Do not cower. It's coming. They want to fight. We fight. They want to fight. We fight. I'm sick and tired of the liberals getting it wrong all the time, whether it's segregation whether it's defunding the police that's blowing up in their faces. You have all this crime all over the place. We're seeing video clips of people getting beat up in the streets and nothing's being done about it. Out west, you got people looting up stores, piling on as many clothes in their arms as they can and walk right out brazenly out of the store, knowing full well that whatever they steal is under $1,000. 
Uh, they could just walk out and the police aren't even going to bother to show up. I was in Philadelphia this weekend and there was a crime that was committed and someone called 911. Nobody picked up 911. Nobody even picked up the phone. Nobody. It just rang and rang and rang. I don't recall a time in my lifetime where you dial 911 and they don't pick up on the second ring. <clears throat> it's almost like the magic number. It's like you call this number. Not only are they going to pick up very quickly, but they're going to be at your doorstep no time flat, and you're going to have to explain, well, that was a mistake. I, I hit the wrong button. It used to be that 911 meant something. 911 doesn't mean anything now. At the same time that 911 just rings into oblivion, you got Philadelphia with the highest murder rate per capita now, thanks to the drunkard mayor, Jim Carrey. I hear now he's gone to another bar. He's got a new bar now. He gets drunk at another place with his new mistress. That's how it's done in Philadelphia. Jim Kenny, a lush. Not ready for prime time. Hiding under his desk with a bottle of booze. And the leadership over there, even the Republican leadership, like Al Schmidt's a piece of work, you know, uh, supposed to be the election board commissioner. President Trump called him out by name when he was being ripped off in Philadelphia. But 911 just rings and rings and rings. It just keeps ringing and no one picks up. I saw it with my own eyes. I wasn't the one that made the call, but I was standing next to the person who made the call. And that happened yesterday. I'm telling you, folks. So, the uh, these issues are crazy. You know, just crazy, crazy times. I'm sick and tired of the Democrats getting it wrong. I'm sick and tired of them. Not only are they clown stupid, but the other aspect of it is that they're now rigging, rigging the elections to win because they can't, they, they're busted. They're criminals that are just robbing you blind and looking at you straight in the face and saying, what are you going to do about it? Meanwhile, we're packing all this heat because the people with the most guns in this country are probably the conservatives. And yet, at the same time that 911 won't go, they want to take away your guns, too. So, not only can you not call for help when you're being victimized, but you can't even defend yourself. That's exactly where they want you. That's exactly where the Democrats want you. That's exactly the way these tyrannical governments... People complain about Syria... The Assad family is just inhumane. They treat their people like with an iron fist. Saddam Hussein was awful to his people. All these different people, right? Well, one of the things they had in common was they first took away your guns. You know, the Assad family, the kingdom, came to power in the 70s. They got to be great friends with the Russians. And one of the first, because he's an Alawite Shia, and there's Shias and there's Sunnis, as we know. The Alawite Shia 
was running a country that was predominantly made up of Sunnis. Typically, they don't get away, get along that well. Sunnis and Shias don't get along that well. You know, they just don't. Goes back to the Ottoman Empire, Sykes and Pico, dividing up the lines in all the wrong ways. And you got this kettle box of oil and water and a whole bunch of other things. And um, let's see, I, I don't recognize this caller, so we are going to take a call today real quick, and then I'm going to get back to that. Sorry for the interruption, but caller, you're on the air. Hi, this is Ross from Connecticut. Okay. Welcome. Yeah, I was calling in today. Thank you. I was calling in today because there was a great article on NBC News Connecticut today about a young man in Hamden, Connecticut, who was a victim of a carjacking. And when the carjacker pulled out a gun, he shot him in the leg. The, you know, the, the victim of the carjacking shot the, uh, the guy trying to steal his car in the leg. And I thought that was to your point of your, I wasn't listening to your show. Right. And, uh, no, I, he, he has a, he should, you know, but you know what's <laughs> happening today that bothers me so much is chances are it's the person that was defending his carjacking, you know, the victim, the, ele- the, 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 the victim that shot the guy in the leg is now going to, you know, be raped through the coal, raped, raped through the coals, uh, and made it an example of, you know, you're not supposed to take the law into your own hands. <laughs> you know, it's sort well, of like and, being punished and, uh, for doing the right thing. Reading the article and reading the article, it looks like they got this one right, and they, they charged the the, uh, the the right guy. They didn't charge the guy who, who shot great. the gun. That's so great. So you're calling from Connecticut? Yeah. What, what's your name? Ross. Ross. R-O-S-S, Ross. Yep. All right. Thank you for yep. calling I in with that. I listen to your show yeah, every day. Some... And uh, my, my brother's name is Scott Adams, so uh, we have that in common. Oh wow, <laughs> Scott! Yeah, yeah. So wow, that's that's really interesting. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I'm trying to get him to listen to your show. Yeah, maybe after today he will. <laughs> All right, thanks, Ross. Take care. Keep up the good work, guy. All right, Bye take now. care. Well, first time caller there. I don't. I've never spoken with that guy. Um, so, so the reason why I bring all this up is because the the left is coming for your jugular now. And Charlie Kirk said it in his Turning Point event where Tr- President Trump spoke. We're going to try to play some of those clips. Um, and when he said that, he's like, oh, okay, well, you know, how close, how close is it that they're going to be coming for our jugular? And then I started seeing all over social media and all over the news all of these different things. And you start to see how this systematic consort narrative is coordinated like, like, like a, like a, you know, classical masterpiece coordinated with the, you know, the trumpets and the drums and the booms and whatever, and the violins. I mean, they're all coordinated. How do they do that? By the way, the Republicans, you know, because we're led by a rhino like Ronna McDaniel. The GOP is like, you know, not operating on all cylinders because they got a a money-grubbing, greedy person that makes probably over a million a year. She was known to be a great funder 
And they say, well, Ron and McDaniel's such a great fundraiser. And it's like, yeah, but who's she selling out to get all those funds? Because where are those dollars coming from? They're not coming from personal people that have the country's best business at heart. They, they're coming from corporations that are giving $2 million to the Democrats and giving $1 million scraps to the RNC, and they got both parties in check. She's actually getting taking taking the lesser amount of the money, but she's selling out just as much as the Democrats, but she's getting half as much in return. And for what? To endorse and support a multinational corporation that wants access to multinational trade deals that gives them access to Chinese slave labor markets? So that they could put Main Street USA out of business with their low price points and huge choices and large hours. And if that weren't enough, they also support the party that opens the borders to allow cheap labor to come into our country so that they could actually do the jobs at the bottom of the barrel that Americans don't want to do for minimum wage. And the same party that's lying to you about minimum wage is embracing all of the uh, treaties and, and deals that pretty much underlyingly endorse slave labor. Whether it's those poor people coming through our southern border, and it's not from the Triangle, it's not from Honduras, it's not from Colombia, it's not from El Salvador. It's from Africa and the Middle East. It's not from Sweden either, trust me. Actually, Sweden's too healthy. That's another. We're going to talk about COVID a lot today, too. But let's take a listen to what Brian Stelter had to say and see if this doesn't ring true to what Charlie Kirk had to say. Charlie Kirk was saying, I got an email from CNN in error. They said, the carrot is not working. We need the stick when it comes to pushing for vaccines. And then the question is, why are they pushing for vaccines so so hard? Vaccines don't work. They don't work. 40% of people in Israel that are getting the vaccines are getting COVID, testing positive for COVID. And now Dr. Fauci says, you get the vaccine, you still need to wear a mask. In fact, the CDC is about to launch a new uh, MO. Even if you have the vaccine, you still have to wear the mask. What a liar. They've been lying to you, folks. And Sweden, by the way, has zero COVID deaths, zero, co- zero COVID deaths right now, zero. And they were the ones that didn't shut down their schools or anything like that. You compare that to UK, you compare that to the United Kingdom, same region of the world, same kind of DNA of its citizens, same kind of blood type and all that. And UK is spiking, skyrocketing as people in the streets are complaining about mask mandates and draconian laws and vaccine mandates. They don't want the vaccine. In Italy and in the UK, they're taking it to the streets, protesting in huge numbers. And it's going on around the world. But in the UK and Italy, it's been making big news. Meanwhile, Sweden, just so quietly, zero COVID deaths because they didn't shut down, folks. And they had the answer. That's got to make Fauci look really stupid, right? That's got to make Fauci look real dumb. 
We're going to play another clip about Fauci today, too. We got a lot going on today. So let's take a listen to this. We're going to take a listen to what Brian Stelter has to say and see if it doesn't jive true with what Charlie Kirk has to say. I think, frankly, this was the week that vaccinated America started to get really fed up. And that's why we're seeing more talk about mandates and more questions about the vaccine resistance in the country. I think that, unfortunately, this divide is growing a lot more strong with every passing week. I think, frankly, this was the week that vaccinated America started to get really fed up. And that's why we're seeing more talk about mandates and more questions about the vaccine resistance in the country. I think that, unfortunately, this divide is growing a lot more strong with every passing week. So that's Brian Stelter saying we need to fight harder, right? So, see, I'm from the camp because, you know, I used to wrestle and stuff. And, I, I, you know, when someone fights harder, you fight harder back. You just, you don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of turning the other cheek, you know? I think that the best way to answer to a bully or, you know, Sometimes force requires steel, sharpened steel. Force is required to, to beat force. You, you, you have to just fight. It's not like you want to fight, you know. You'd rather relax and, and maybe have a glass of wine and, and enjoy a good movie and just live your life. You would rather have your kids go off to school and not have to worry about whether they're going to be indoctrinated with this moronic stupidity called critical race theory. And be asked questions about what gender are you? Are you male? Are you female? Oh, are you trans trans? Or are you non-binary? Like no pronoun. Which one are you? You know, that kind of thing. Well, it was Rahm Emanuel that um and I I you know I had the clip all lined up with Rahm Emanuel. Uh, he he was basically saying the same thing. So Rahm Emanuel basically said, former Chicago mayor Rahm Emanuel says, we must create reward punishment system for vaccines. Remember Mike, Michael Smirkanish from the Philadelphia area on CNN saying, we got to chastise and we got to shame people. And there is this Lin Wang, this, this Chinese woman, that's on the news a lot. And she says, we got to make it really difficult for people that aren't getting the vaccines. We got to make it real difficult. We got to give them forms. We got to make them do tests. We got to, you know, really make their life a living hell. And that should do it. So these Democrats are basically pushing the vaccines as if what? They can't be that interested in it, right? What, what are they, what are they so concerned about what I put in my arm for? Why? See, that's what it is. So when you're asking these questions, like they seem like that person I was questioning, you know, I'm interrogating, seemed like they were very, very cagey and protective when it came to this one subject. It's like, I think that they're, you know, something's going on with that subject. What is it about the, why are they so cagey? Why do they, well, we know why, right? They want to get that vaccination. They were told by the man upstairs, whoever that is, probably Barack Hussein, right? They were saying, hey, 70%, that's the magic number. The corporations aren't going to get on board with us, folks, unless we get up to 70% vaccination. Once we get to 70, the corporations are going to get woke as hell, and they're just basically going to go to town, and they're going to issue vaccine passport after vaccine passport. We're already seeing Foo Fighters saying we won't hold a concert 
if you're not vaccinated. You can't walk into my concert if you're not vaccinated. But then you got Eric Clapton from the old school. He says, I'm not going to actually perform in an arena if you have a vaccine mandate. Because I don't believe in passports. That's Gestapo. That's Stasi stuff. That's, That's communism. And that's a control of populations. And they're going to use that same system to apply a social media score. And they're going to attack on and add on all kinds of stuff so that we could be evaluated. Uh, basically, if I give a speech and it, it favors Trump over, um, you know, creepy Joe, um, I might not get the, get the credit card approval. I might not get to shop at the store. Like it was said last week, Twitch basically has already made an announcement that said, hey, whatever you do in your personal life could impact whether we want you on our platform. Huh? Who owns Twitch? Amazon. So now if I'm one Whole Foods, now you've been flagged, sir. You can't buy these groceries. Put them back. Get out of my store. You can't shop here. I go on Amazon. Well, we know who you are. You supported Trump. You can't buy this widget from China. Because that's what all Amazon sells is widgets from China. Um, and you can't shop here. And then how do I feed my family? How do I get along? How, where's my credit? I mean, it could ruin my life. You can't get this job? I know so many people that have lost their jobs as a result of all this. And it's just sad to see that politics has become no different than among the liberals and the left as the segregationists of the South that wrote the laws of Jim Crow, which were social, which were Democrats, state and local Democrats, who wrote the Jim Crow laws for segregation. But it's also no different than the socialist nationalists like Hitler, who put out the Stasi or who put out the um, SS to... Um, to separate people from religion and ethnicity, you know, with the Jews. So it's it's no different. It's the same philosophy. And these Democrats can't look can't, are not capable of looking themselves in the mirror and seeing what monsters they've become. Uh, Julie, you're on the air. Good morning, Scott. Happy Monday. Happy, Happy Monday. Monday. It's funny, over the weekend, I was trying to think of who the center spoke was of this entire thing. And we we look and point towards big tech. But what if it isn't big tech? What if it's big pharma? What if it's, it's because they just were able to make enough money to pay off for their opioid debacle? When we started our country, God was at the center. But notice how now they pushed out God, and they're trying to replace it with something, something else. And and there was a doctor I heard speaking from Africa, and she classified this entire thing as Luciferian. And that was that was really a good description because the fact that they're not allowing us to take hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin this is luciferian and look at at india they have found and they've they they use ivermectin in india like crazy and it's working for them yes yes he said that on friday i believe and it, yes and and 
at least in India, the leaders care for their people. They don't care for the people here in this country. They want us to get get that that <laughs> needle. Uh, so, <laughs> hey, then, listen, that, you're, yeah. you're so right because um, Pfizer just came out and said we're expecting a $15 billion revenue year in 2021. Pfizer. And yeah. they're the one that has a, the, you know, a... Um, Basically, their vaccine's not working. It's like the more the, it fades right. off, and that now now they're basically there was a hidden there was a memo that got released or leaked out that was basically like Pfizer said we're going to have a much much better year if we can get uh, boosters endorsed. So this whole Fauci thing about well, I think we're going to need masks and vaccines, um, and he's saying all this. The biggest liar on the planet is Dr. Fauci. He's lied his way through everything. But I believe he's getting rich off of this, and Pfizer's paying him millions, if not more. And and Pfizer and Moderna, they're all controlled by, of course, the, the <laughs> our great friends of CCP. <laughs> so they're... We have to understand this, and what we need to do as Americans, we need to start living a healthier lifestyle. Well, we well can't Julie, I have a question opioid. for you. When you say they're controlled by CCP, what do you mean by that? Do you have information? Well, I'm just using that as the general term oh, because okay. most of the people that that own Pfizer, the, the the largest ownership is throughout China, is from China. Is that and true? The, the, you, you know that to be true? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. And, yeah. and yeah, yeah, and and also Moderna. See, Moderna is is owned through chains of ownership. And back when I looked up the ownership from Moderna in February of 2020, immediately after I start looking into it, they erased it. The yeah. ownership chain. Wow. The the ownership chain. The the second largest ownerships were Chinese. And I believe the family was LUI, yeah. the Lee family. No, I know you to yes. be. I know you to be uh, an investor. You were like a day trader, right? Well, I'm not a day trader. I, I, <laughs> I you can't make a lot of. I mean, I guess yeah. some people make money but, day but you're, trading. You're, but you're, you're, you, uh, you follow the stock market yeah. pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I do heavy research. Yeah, heavy yeah. research because the minute you start putting any certain kind of a block in, into anything you invest in, you better them well know what you're you're investing in, who owns it, and the only way you can really see that the get obtain confidence in any kind of country company, you have to go back and look at the ownership and see who owns it and see who the big funds own it. Because the minute then the more the big funds own it, then you can feel more confident. In it. The problem right. is that right now the market is so corrupt. Yeah. They're, they're short selling and anything that you can count on can't be counted on right now. So you have to really look at the long term and you, you, get, you have to have a lot of cash on hand right. because the, the, the market is just too dangerous. All right, Julie. Well, thank you so much I'm for sorry. calling in today. I'm sorry. That, thank yeah. you, Julie. Yeah, no, no, please. Okay. No, please. Have a good day. All yep. right. Okay. Take care. Yep. Bye-bye. All right. Well, um, so um, 
That's interesting. So getting back to Rahm Emanuel here, he says, while appearing on ABC's this week, former Chicago mayor Rahm Emanuel said that there needs to be a reward punishment system to force people to get vaccinated. Emanuel said that people should not be able to participate in activities within society unless they take the rushed out jabs. Now, the jabs don't work. Like I say, this Pfizer is self-admitted almost. No, not almost. It is. They're admitting that uh, it loses its efficacy over time. I, I don't know why or how. You know, I'm not a scientist. But there's a lot of talk coming out about all of this stuff. And um, let's take a listen to uh, this uh, one one uh, clip. It says, could it be any clearer now? Still, any questions? We're calling it the myth of the... so." I have this clip here. Um, this clip also is with Dr. Fauci. And um, Dr. Fauci, right here. Okay, so I have it. I want to play this clip. This clip is, to me, the most important clip ever when it comes to COVID. Okay? This is the for me, now this is for me, and this is very unique because I don't think that anybody else is going to say this. But I remember when this happened this year and a half ago. This is not a new clip. It's not a new soundbite. But this soundbite resonated to me more than any other soundbite. And it was corroborated by a woman over at the WHO. And it was about asymptomatic because when you think about it, the, every scientist worth its weight in salt would say that viruses typically if you're not symptomatic if you're if you're asymptomatic that means that basically the virus is not overwhelming in your blood system and you don't have any symptoms so therefore it's not something that you're going to likely not absolutely but likely give to somebody else so Dr. Fauci, with his 50 years of experience in viral, I mean, he's the premier expert. And this goes back to near the beginning. This was before the left, left wing started to exploit COVID. And Dr. Fauci said this. Symptomatic person that might train. To just add one thing that seems to get lost in that question is that, as Bob said, and I agree, we would really like to see the data because if there is asymptomatic transmission, it impacts certain policies that you do regarding screening, et cetera. But the one thing historically people need to realize, that even if there is some asymptomatic transmission, in all the history of respiratory-borne viruses of any type, asymptomatic transmission has never been the driver of outbreaks. Asymptomatic. We're going to listen to that one more time, folks. It's so important that even if there is some asymptomatic transmission, in all the history of respiratory-borne viruses of any type, asymptomatic transmission has never been the driver of outbreaks. The driver of outbreaks is always a symptomatic person. Even if there's a rare asymptomatic person that might transmit, an epidemic is not driven by asymptomatic carriers. To just add one thing that seems to... So think about the weight of that statement. Think about it. So the whole concept of staying at home, 
was that we didn't know whether we were carrying the virus or not. But the whole beginning was, if you're sick, if you're sneezing, if you're coughing, then wear a mask uh, so that you don't spray your fluids all over the place. Wear a mask so that basically you're not spreading your germs when you're sneezing and coughing and wheezing. Wear a mask. But if you're healthy, you don't wear a mask. But if everybody who's sick or symptomatic wears a mask, we should be all right. That was bogus number one. That was amateur hour number one because the mic, the the size of the virus is so much smaller than the hole in the mask, in into the mesh of the mask. Everybody knew that. The efficacy of a mask is a farce. And I don't care about the candle test. Hey, try to blow into a candle. See how that works out for you when you're wearing a mask. I can't. But it's not the same test, you know, because you could also smoke a cigarette and then blow smoke and it goes all over the place. It spreads in a different kind of way. It's probably even worse for the environment. But the asymptomatic is the key because that's what kept us all locked in. It was like the secret, the mystery. Are you, do you have the virus? I'd say, well, I'm not asymptomatic if that's what you're asking. No, if it was that simple, we would have not had the lockdown. Our, our, the world economies wouldn't have been crushed by trillion dollars. It is such a big deal, that statement right there. So then they switched and they said, even if you're asymptomatic, you could still spread it. That was um, completely contrary to what you just heard Fauci say. Right? What you just heard Fauci say was completely contrary to that. And that's what this whole lockdown thing was all about. And it's, uh, it's absolutely a sad, sad chain of events. Right? Now, there's this other one. Let's take a listen to, um, let's take a listen to this uh, clip here. The asymptomatic spreader is the basis for lockdown. It's the basis for masks. It's the basis for social distancing. It's the basis for school closures. It's the basis for business closures. It's the basis for pretty much everything. It's the basis for a mass vaccination rollout. It's the basis for an emergency use authorization of an experimental pharmaceutical product that has not had any long-term safety testing or research done on it, okay? It's all based it's predicated on the myth, the myth of the asymptomatic spreader. I'm saying the myth, Mike, because when you look at all the peer-reviewed literature on asymptomatic spreads, which we've shown on this program a number of times, which you can Google yourself, okay, we'll probably pr- publish more or say more about it in the future just to help people review the literature. But the most cited literature on this shows that there is no such thing as asymptomatic spreading driving epidemics. In order to be a good source of infection. By the way, to our friend who calls in from Chicago, John, this is Dr. Mike Yaden, who he was referring to. Let's take a listen to this. Epidemics. In order to be a good source of infection, you need to have a lot of virus in your airway. If you only have a little bit of virus, you really can't breathe it on people. The chances that you'll be able to infect someone else uh, is very low. So if you've got lots of virus, you will have symptoms. 
you will have symptoms. That means people without symptoms can't have much virus, that's true. And that means people without symptoms can't infect other people. Let's just go back to March 2020 or February 2020. This is Lord Fauci himself explaining to you the science that's been well established for a very long time. By the way, just nothing for nothing. This is making its trend through the social media. A year ago, I was talking about asymptomatic spread, and I played that Fauci clip a year ago. I, it's been one of the things I've always, it's, it has been my mantra since the beginning of this uh, epidemic because I understood then, as I do now, what they're saying about asymptomatic spread. In our history. Here's Fauci. Yeah. To just add it's one the same thing, thing that seems to get before. lost in that it's question again. is that, as Bob said, and I agree, we would really like to see the data because if there is asymptomatic transmission, it impacts certain policies that you do regarding screening, etc. But the one thing historically people need to realize that even if there is some asymptomatic transmission, in all the history of respiratory-borne viruses of any type, asymptomatic transmission has never been the driver of outbreaks. Thank you very much. All right, so that's that. So that's the thing that's going on with COVID, right? Uh, let's take a li- listen to one more, uh, one more thing here. Do like symptoms, and with that evaporates a substantial underpinning of the whole asymptomatic transmission story. Anyone who is surrounding us, our relatives, our friends, and who shows no symptoms, who's perfectly healthy or appears perfectly healthy, could be a threat. That's what this, this, that's what this induces. That's what this fraud, there are asymptomatic infections, induces. It tells us, oh my God, everybody could be potentially dangerous. That is not true. And we know that uh, Drosden, when he wrote this in a preprint, uh, knew that it was not true. Um, because he was referring to a woman from Wuhan who traveled to Frankfurt and who apparently uh, um, uh, spread whatever virus she had uh, to a lot of people. And she, he claims, didn't have any symptoms. A journalist pointed out that is wrong. She did have symptoms because she was taking anti-flu medication. We were quite pleased on the 8th of June when the World Health Organization acknowledged this. Maria van Kirkhover again gets up on stage and says asymptomatic. The data show that asymptomatic transmission of coronavirus is very rare. We have a number of reports from countries. Okay, now, folks, this is the WHO woman that I referred to. Her name is Dr. Maria Van Kirkhove. I could never remember her name, but I do remember this specifically. And again, over a year ago, I was talking about this. Um, But it's just now sort of coming back into trend. So let's take a listen to what this woman from the WHO says. A number of reports from countries who are doing... Oh, and by the way, she got squashed and silenced and almost fired from her job as a result of this. Okay. ...from countries who are doing very detailed contact tracing. They're following asymptomatic cases, they're following contacts, and they're not finding secondary transmission onward. It's very rare only to be deflated the next day when she was forced back onto stage to walk back her statement, saying that there's still much we don't know, and our models show us that, and so on and so on. It's utter, utter nonsense. Again, Fauci knew this in the first quarter. He told the world that in the history of respiratory-borne viruses of any type, 
Asymptomatic transmission has never been the driver of outbreaks. In all the history of respiratory-borne viruses of any type, asymptomatic transmission has never been the driver of outbreaks. And again, the literature catches up, and we see that in the real-world data, asymptomatic transmission is not a driver. So many people, when you put fear on the table, they're going to default to that because they're thinking about their immediate survival. And, and so when you start to seed people with the idea that if you contract this, you're going to die, it makes people very worried and says, oh, my God, I better get tested, um, even if I don't have any symptoms, because they're saying I might be able to transmit this asymptomatically. That's never been empirically proven. And in fact, there's... Like All right. So that's that. So I we covered asymptomatic. We covered this. So this is good. Um I want to switch gears a little bit, and I want to uh, take a listen to Trey Gowdy, who was talking about Corey Bush, who was talking about defunding the police, uh, and uh, and what we're seeing now is a spike in crime across the country. And I have some other comment that I want to make about Corey Bush and something that she said about critical race theory and some other things over the... Uh, Fourth of July holiday, you know, a few weeks ago, um, but uh, well, four weeks ago now, it's, time's flying, right? Um, but in any case, let's take a listen to Trey Gowdy. He made a good point here. Defund the police. Well, let me be more precise. She wants to defund your police, but not her police. She spent nearly $70,000 on her own personal security last year. I don't know about your city or state, but $70,000 would get you your own personal police officer in South Carolina, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Cori Bush tells us she is progressive. The better word might be hypocritical. She wants to defund your police while she has a robust personal security detail in Washington and St. Louis. And that sends the clear message that her safety is more important than yours. And speaking of St. Louis, do you know what would happen if you were supposed to be in court and did not show up? <laughs> You'd go to jail. And here's the other thing. She wants to take away your guns. And speaking of St. Louis, you know, that's where they had the spike. You know, they have this surge of COVID. And I would say that it's probably because they're shipping new voters that are coming across the border illegally by way of our military. Our military has become so woke these days. You know, Millie, everybody's making fun of Millie. But there's this guy, uh, also his name's Donahue. Um, he's a general. He's a general. And, um, and so basically, uh, I had a, a little with him on Twitter. Basically, Patrick Donahoe. So Patrick Donahoe is a uh, Major General, U.S. Army, Commanding General, Maneuver Center of Excellence in Fort, at Fort Benning in Georgia. Views are my own. Retweet doesn't equal endorsement. Okay, so he writes this. Um, public service announcement. Block and report the trolls and the disinformation tinfoil hat team. So he's basically hating, you know, the Trump supporters that he's supposed to serve. We pay his salary, that numbnut. Patrick Donahoe, Major General, Army, right? Active serving, tweeting stuff like that out. 
How nonsensical is that? So I said, Pat Donahoe is contributing to the Army the same way that Rapinoe contributed to women's soccer, who's basically out of the Olympics. And even our woke basketball team just lost to France in Tokyo. So, you know, the woke is not good for sports, apparently. Uh, but what, what, I said, Pat Donahoe, Major General Pat Donahoe is contributing to the Army the same way that Rapinoe contributed to women's soccer or transvestites contrib- contribution to women athletics. Some narcissists take like take like pigs without ever truly giving back in return. That's Pat Donahoe Army. At, that's his Twitter feed. A woke army general trolling on Twitter. And it says here, please tell me you're not a real general and that you play one on TV or something. I mean, it's absolutely absurd that we are dealing with this kind of a military leadership now. It's this wokeness is just insane. Uh, Chuck Ross wrote, wrote a great response to it. He says, always reassuring to see our army generals effing around on Twitter, right? But Cori Bush, um, you know, she said some really nasty things about the flag and the national anthem as being racist and and the word patriot is a racist word and stuff like that. Basically trying to get in the way of celebrating Independence Day. A country that's given back to her so much that as a black woman, she is a congresswoman uh, making six-figure salaries, probably making upwards of a million dollars a year with speaking engagements and what have you. You're not supposed to be paid when you get to uh, speak. But what happens is they end up giving to these nonprofits. I wish we would get more donations for Bugle Call and Magapack than some of these donations that are actually, well, these donations going to uh, to people like Cori Bush are all pay to play. You know, they're just all part of the, it's sort of like how Hunter Biden is selling his art to undisclosed anonymous donors. It's called Money Laundering 101, right? $500,000 whitewash to pay off somebody for influence. It's just all it is. It's unbelievable the double standard that we have going on in our country. But when Cori Bush was talking about that, I think about this black struggle and I see the, um, you know, the black crime on the rise. I see all these videos of black people fighting in airports and robbing stores and beating white people up. Um, Matt Couch just wrote something. They said uh, where this black guy knocked a guy, a 68 year old off of his bike over the weekend in New York. And it was a terrible, terrible act of violence. And Matt Couch says, damn, the white supremacists are robbing folks in broad daylight now. And of course, it was a black person beating up a white person. If that was the case, if that was the flip side of that, it would be all over the news, right? Um, and so I said to, I said to uh, Corey Bush, and I wrote an article about it, and basically it was all about, you know, I'm a Native American. I could complain too, right? But... If it wasn't for the slaughtered and if it wasn't for the uh, enslaved, uh, you know, Jefferson probably would have never had the inspiration to write what uh, 
the endowment of our creator or the pursuit of happiness in our constitution or Lincoln may never have been inspired to write the Emancipation Proclamation or um, Martin Luther King may not have ever been so inspired to write uh, about his big dream. I have a dream speech about focusing on the content of one's character and not the color of one's skin, which is what all of our children know full well. We teach them this value. And yet critical race theory wants to dismantle all of that, just like transvestites want to dismantle women's sports overnight, despite all the hard work and sacrifice of Title IX. You know, and it's this cancel culture. These statues that have been there for centuries are now being torn down. Books are being burned. Names of schools are being changed. And I resent the fact that liberals want to tell me as a Native American that I should be insulted by the Washington Redskins. So they take the Redskin off the helmet, which actually has the adverse effect of costing the Native American Indians Billions of dollars over the next two decades in marketing and free advertising and brand awareness of our culture and our history. And so they think they're doing right, but they're doing wrong. And every time the government gets involved, they mess things up. You know, like Reagan said, the worst nine words, you know, is the government's here at your door and they're here to help. I mean, I don't need the government to help me. I want them to stay out of my life and out of my way. Um, but we need to be approaching uh, our existence as a melting pot harmoniously with gratitude in our hearts and love in our hearts and appreciation in our hearts and memorializing in our hearts for the people that not only gave their life for our freedom, which we do every Memorial Day, but to also honor and respect and live our lives accordingly in a way that appreciates the the uh, struggles of the past, whether it's slaves or the slaughtered Native American Indians, uh, we need to also appreciate their sacrifices too. And you don't do that by dividing. You don't do that by looking for reparations. You don't look at uh, yourself as a victim. You look at yourself and say, Let's make this world a better place. Let's have gratitude for the things we do have. Cory Bush is unable to do that. And it's a damn shame. But that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out buglecall.org, our nonprofit arm, and our sister nonprofit to buglecall is magapac.org. And we're doing great things to support America First policies to make America great again. And be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcast. And with that, we'll see you next time on the video. Bye-bye, everybody. I'm from a small town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper, they grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.